sorry I don't love you A fresh I've grown accustomed to Cause with you if something isn't wrong Something isn't wrong Something isn't right Hey everyone, welcome to Geekdom is back, as is Tim Matthews. Today we're going to be talking all about the Avengers from 2012. I know that sounds so long ago at this point, but when you think about it, I mean, is six years really that long ago? But anyway, how are you doing today, Tim? I'm doing well. How are you? Doing pretty well. It was very interesting to rewatch this film, and one of the first things I want to really dive into are the characters because without all of these characters you know the Avengers wouldn't exist in any way shape or form so we had already seen some of the characters previously and I think the one we had seen the least of really was Hawkeye he like had a kind of cameo appearance in one of the previous films but this was sort of his big moment and both him and Black Widow are characters who have not had a solo movie as far as, you know, the characters go for this original team here with the Avengers. Right. Yeah, Hawkeye, his uh, little little spiel was in uh, Thor. And then I think all we've had from Black Widow so far was she was in uh, Iron Man 2, I think. Yeah. Was she not in the first Captain America? I get them all confused. If she was, it was just the, the very end. But I, I don't think so, because the first Captain America was pretty much all like a period piece. And right. then uh, and then the tail end of him like being found in the ice and everything. But she was a, she was a huge part in uh, Winter Soldier. That was basically okay. like a team up movie between the two of them. Yeah, I, I definitely get all the Captain Americas <laughs> confused because that, you know, like Civil War seems like an Avengers movie, not a Captain America movie. And it's just, oh yeah, it can get all over the place. <laughs> yeah, it 100% is just Avengers 2.5. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And, you know, I think seeing the least of those two characters is really interesting because they're also the two that don't have any powers, really. And, you know... Black Widow obviously is a trained assassin and I would say has a larger skill set than Hawkeye does. So to have those two be a part of the Avengers from the start, did you feel that was an interesting choice to make? Um, Yeah, I mean, I guess whenever you look at like any of the superhero teams, there always seems to be the one that is completely and ultimately super powered. And then it like trickles down from there. There's others that they have a bit more powers, but they're not as invincible as, as say, the ones higher up. And then you keep go, going down lower. And there's always the human characters um, that end up on the teams. Um, I don't know a huge I don't know a huge amount of uh, Avengers history uh, in the comics. So I don't know necessarily when I know in like some of the more like modern ones, uh, you know, Hawkeye and, and Black Widow were, were involved, probably especially because of the movie. They were more popular, so they started using them more. I could, But could be wrong on any of that. Uh, I definitely think it's interesting having them on it. And they even in this movie uh, kind of team them together. Uh, we get a little bit of that they have kind of a shared past. I mean, she's kind of roped into the whole, whole thing uh, in the beginning when... Colson calls her and uh, and she's she's like, I'm in the middle of something. And as soon as he says Barton's been compromised, she's like locked in and she's she's ready. She's like, OK, I'm coming in. What do I need to do to, to help him out? And we get a bit more like pepper uh, peppered in with them, uh, which I always thought sounded like an interesting history and a film. I would really a film or a miniseries or something I'd really like to see. But uh, we've yet to really get much more with those characters. Yeah, it definitely felt like those two had some sort of history together. And it was almost like they were kind of a package deal or something like that. But you have Thor and Captain America and Thor is obviously a god and Captain America was an ice and under all these crazy circumstances came to have powers. And then Tony Stark technically doesn't have any powers either. He just has a really fancy suit with powers. So I guess in a sense, most of the Avengers are unpowered humans. Yeah. But Iron Man is definitely one of the original Avengers here. And I actually pulled up the lineup from 
the very, very first Avengers comics, and it was Ant-Man, the Hulk, Iron Man, Thor, and the Wasp, and then Captain America was discovered to be trapped in ice about a few issues into the run, so he wasn't an original, original Avenger, but that lineup is still very different, even though it still had Iron Man, Thor, and the Hulk. So you have these three characters that sort of make up the history of the Avengers, so to speak, in the comics. And that makes sense. But, you know, I don't know if Ant-Man and the Wasp would have been good right off the bat because we did get the Ant-Man movie later on and we have Ant-Man and the Wasp coming this summer, actually. But it just would have felt off, I think, to have those two characters in it from the start. And putting Black Widow in was a really smart move because the character just kind of blew up from there. And even in the comics, there are really good Black Widow runs that started after her appearances in the film. And you were right, it was Iron Man 2 that she was in. And then Winter Soldier was the big part she had with Captain America. So it'll be interesting to see down the line if they actually do complete that Black Widow solo film because there's been talk about it, but it hasn't really made much progress. And that kind of sucks just because she's been such a staple in the movies since Iron Man 2. Yeah. And the, rewatching this movie uh, and like obviously knowing that we're going to be talking about it, kind of paying even that much more attention to some of the dialogue. I never really noticed how much of like all the little teases we get to, uh, to her history. Right. And her history sounds so interesting. Uh, and so it's just, when you think about how long the MCU has been going on and we've yet to get a film, it's not like she has a lackluster amount of storylines, because half the time watch, uh, watching these scenes with her and getting little bits of her background, I'm like, all right, that would be really cool to see. And I really like the idea of some of these films peppering in a bit more of the past. I mean, we have a lot that's going forward, but uh, but I, I really like, for instance, in uh, Ant-Man, we get kind of like the flashbacks with, with Hank Pym and, it, and uh, even in like some of the Iron Man stuff, we get a bit, uh, bit of the past with Howard Stark and then there was Agent Carter and all that. I think it's really cool to when they pepper in the histories of these characters, some further back, some more recent, but it just makes the MCU just feel that much more alive and not like it only started, you know, with cap or with iron man. Um, so hopefully we get, we get more, uh, more from those characters because they get a decent amount to do in this movie, but still, still not enough. Yeah. And like you said, they pepper the history in there. So we aren't getting full on histories for each of these characters before we see them. And, you know, the team doesn't get along right off the bat either, which I think is something that is crucial because anytime you see a team working well together, it's because they've been playing together for a while, whether it's sports or what have you, or just, you know, like a team of people who work together on an app or something like that. It's like, you have to get used to everyone's workflow and how they do things and everything like that. So to see them fight each other quite a bit in this made sense too. And while it wasn't always, you know, the best situation or anything like that, it made sense. And I think, Looking back on this film, too, a lot of the characters had their own issues to work through in this movie, so it wasn't going to go smoothly right off the bat anyway. Right. Yeah, they're they're all coming from basically being so used to being solo acts to suddenly roped into... Uh, they all kind of had an idea that Fury was trying to put uh, a team together, but then... It, uh, it was like the plan was scrapped. Um, and so here they are, they're off just all doing their own things. And then it's like, Hey, there's this, you know, crazy shit that's coming and, uh, you know, possibly aliens and stuff from, uh, other worlds that, uh, that you've never had to deal with. Cool. If you all get together and, and help us out. Like, and so then they're just thrusted into this and have to, but like you said, they have to learn to work together in a very, very short period of time. And as we see throughout the film, um, that doesn't go well for most of the film. 
Yeah, plus we haven't mentioned Loki just yet either, and he's sort of the main villain, so to speak, for the movie, and they do end up fighting all of these other creatures and, you know, this giant flying metal whale thing in the sky. I don't even know what the actual (laughs) name for it is, but, you know, they're dealing with this otherworldly threat and even Thor alone is not enough to stop his own brother. So even though Loki has changed over the years and over the different movies that he's been in, this is like Loki at his worst, in my opinion, in the MCU, because he sort of starts doing things to help Thor. And that's something you see more of in later films and everything like that. But this movie is setting him up as the big bad villain. And it's really interesting to see the brother dynamic between him and Thor in this. And then one of my favorite moments in the film was when Hulk just picks him up and starts smashing him into the ground on in Stark Tower. And it's just oh, yeah. one of the funniest moments in the movie, too, even though it's pretty brutal. But then you see Loki sort of just laying there afterwards and he's like, oh, I see now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've, I've, I'll never forget uh, sitting in the theater, uh, seeing the movie for the first time and Everyone in the theater, of course, uh, absolutely lost it um, at that scene because you're expecting that, oh, they're just going to start fighting. And so for Hulk to just grab him and just whip him around and just say puny God, like it's uh, it was just perfect. Yeah. And you mentioned earlier Hawkeye being the one that was compromised. So he was under Loki's control. And that was interesting there, too, because Hawkeye was the obvious choice for that move because he was probably the one who was going to resist the least and it literally takes Natasha punching him in the head and you know basically giving him this head injury to make him snap out of it (laughs) and she understands what she has to do so that really just shows how strong their friendship is because he's not even upset with her later like he's not like oh you punched me in the head seriously but he's totally understanding and that sort of says everything you need to know about their friendship over the years and everything like that and we learn a lot more about Hawkeye's personal life in later films but here it's just nice that like you said you you get these little tidbits of what makes these characters tick and to see how they interact with each other. Obviously, Natasha and Hawkeye get along the best out of the team already, probably. But the only problem yeah. is she's fighting against Hawkeye for the beginning portion of the movie. And it isn't until yeah. she does hit him in the face that they're able to get him back and get him back on their side. So it is one of those interesting things where I'm sure people are like, well, how is Hawkeye still alive, especially with Infinity War coming up and everything they've gone through since then? So it it might feel a little unlikely, but I don't know if he sticks around much longer, to be honest. But we'll, we'll do some Infinity War speculation a bit later. Nice. Another thing that I want to talk about for characters is Phil Coulson, <laughs> because he is what ties the cinematic universe to the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. TV show in a bigger sense. This was when the show was really tied into what the movies are doing. And right now it's really unclear if there's any connection between Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and what's coming up in Infinity War. I have no idea. But even though we know Phil Coulson is brought back to life and everything like that, it was still so weird to watch him die in this and it it was just one of those moments that was really well done because you're like, oh yeah, I forgot he actually died. <laughs> yeah, I remember I remember that being such a such a great scene, obvious uh, to watch. Obviously, the first time when when we didn't know that he was coming back, and here it was this great uh, this great moment, and it it is uh, the moment that that Fury uses to. Uh, to really bring them all together, um, to stop their bickering and be like, look, this is what happens if we're not united, we lose people. And we lost someone who was, who was like all in this, um, and, um, and cared about each, uh, each of these characters, uh, coming together. It's one of those things that I personally haven't really watched much of shield. I, uh, 
I started with like the first season um, and it wasn't really clicking for me. I heard it got uh, really cool with some other stuff uh, uh, later on, but I'm kind of on the side of, I personally like pretend that he's still dead because <laughs> I feel like it's just so cheap to, to just know that, that he's still alive. And it was like the start of the start of the frustration with the MCU that it didn't feel like there was always consequences to things. Right. But it it is still, even knowing, you know, that he's still alive, it is still a, a moving scene. Um, and it still kind of, uh, kind of gets you a bit. Um, and yeah, I don't know what's going on with the, with any of the, the TV tie-ins and stuff. Even I think the directors of infinity war came out and, uh, and were like, yeah, it was impossible to tie in like the Netflix stuff. And so it's, it's kind of like, well, why even bother saying this stuff is connected if, if you're not going to bring these things together. But part of me is still hoping, still hoping we can get Daredevil and all them in there. But who knows? Yeah. And the thing with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. too is it's funny watching this and looking back on all the references that tie into later seasons of the show because there's a moment when Tony Stark mentions LMDs and that was a big part of S.H.I.E.L.D. fairly recently. And you also see Malik, who is on the video conference with Fury, and he's not named in the Avengers. But if you have watched watched S.H.I.E.L.D. and you go back and you watch this, he's instantly recognizable to you because he played such a big role in S.H.I.E.L.D. later on. So it's really interesting to see, looking back on how things ended up tying into S.H.I.E.L.D., even if it wasn't simultaneously with the films and everything because it did tie into Captain America quite a bit at one point too. That's pretty cool. Yeah. That, that was when I heard that the show was really, really kicking into gear was, uh, leading into, uh, winter soldier. I heard, I heard that all the tie-ins and stuff were really, really crazy. Um, and, and a lot of fun with that. Um, so that's, I mean, that's, that's really cool. If it, um, if when you go back and watch this movie that it kind of like, rounds out the world a little bit uh a little bit more for you because you have this extra backstory so that's pretty cool yeah so why don't we go ahead and just generally discuss the movie now because we haven't brought up one of the major plot points here and it's the tesseract so that is the cube that loki comes to steal and he does so successfully and it powers his weapon basically his staff or whatever you want to call it i don't recall exactly what words they used in the film but i think tony called it the uh um his uh, glowing stick of destiny (laughs) that sounds like a tony thing he would say so you know whatever you want to call it his staff for a lack of a better word right now but you know he took the tesseract and he built this machine well he didn't build it he stole one of shield's people and had him build it for him and it opened up this giant portal which is where all of the otherworldly creatures came from and the giant flying whale thing made of metal or whatever it was and space whale (laughs) yeah that's pretty much what it looked like to me and it was just like floating in the air and destroying all of new york but they have all of these creatures that they're fighting and it's basically just one big distraction for Loki to do whatever he wants and it completely backfires in stunning fashion which is you know typical for Loki at this point and I just thought that was an interesting way to bring Loki into the fold for you know being the reason the Avengers are brought together basically and I don't know if there would have been another villain who would have made sense because you have Loki as Thor's brother too so it's personal for Thor and he sort of just ends up needing everyone else's help too so it was sort of the perfect circumstances even though they were not fantastic circumstances by any means for the team to come together and you know I don't think that Avengers is a perfect movie by any means because what movie is at this point especially when it comes to superheroes because people are always so split on it but when I was rewatching it, I was like, oh, this might have been a little 
better than I initially remembered because I'm not one who rewatches a ton of stuff. I can't even tell you when I saw this. I don't know if I saw it in theater or if I saw it at some point later because I hadn't been into the movies quite as much just yet. So I can't even tell you when the first time I watched this was. So to go back and get all of these little tidbits, like you said, because I watched S.H.I.E.L.D. and I've watched the other movies more recently, I think that made it a little more fun in a way for me. Yeah, it... um it definitely, um, yeah, rewatching uh, it. I wasn't sure, uh, the biggest thing, like you said, it, this movie was like six years ago. And fr- frankly, I thought it was even longer than that just cause it feels like the MCU has been going on forever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't sure going back to it, how it necessarily was going to, uh, hold up. Um, I definitely agree that Loki is the, the perfect villain to, uh, for the film. Cause you, you get that bit of, a uh, you get that bit of Shakespearean uh, story with uh, with Thor and Loki. You know, the typical Loki uh, feels that he is the the one true king, um, and uh, and should lead everything, and that Thor doesn't deserve all the stuff he gets. And it it does add that bit of person. It does add that personal tie to um, to everything going on when you think about all the. MCU villains that we had had up to this point, because ideally, if they weren't going to use Loki, you would think they'd choose a villain that we had some familiarity with. Um, and none of them really have the the staying power uh, as as Loki does, except for like the only other one I could think of would be Red Skull, which would have a tie in with Cap. But even so, I don't think it would have been as strong as uh, as Loki. And of course, just as charismatic as, uh, Tom Hiddleston is. I mean, he just, uh, he just nails it. Yeah. I mean, I definitely, uh, I definitely still very, very much, uh, enjoy, uh, the film. I don't think it ages perfectly. Uh, (laughs) there's definitely a decent amount of it that feels like sets. Uh, Cap's costume is very cosplay. (laughs) Um, yeah. (laughs) But uh, but overall, it's like I e- even for, you know, any faults, I still have a ton of fun with the film. Yeah. And it's funny that you mentioned feeling like this movie was so long ago, even though it wasn't because the MCU did start 10 years ago at this point. And Iron Man came out in May of 2008. But at that point in time, it was taking Marvel a lot longer to get their movies done because between 2008 and the Avengers in May of 2012, they had released six movies. They didn't release a single movie tying into the MCU in 2009, and they only did Iron Man 2 in 2010. So there was a bit of a bigger gap in between films there, and you could tell they were really trying to get things rolling, and things definitely picked up more with phase two because then they started doing about two movies a year and last year they actually had three movies so they definitely ramped things up after phase one but to have this be the movie that closed out phase one made a lot of sense too because it's like okay all of these people know each other now so now we can move on and give you these other stories and have the characters pop in here and there. And then, you know, in 2014, they introduced the Guardians and everything like that. And Infinity War is really acting as the movie where literally all of the heroes meet. All of them, except for the ones who have died already, which sucks for them. But, yeah. <laughs> you know, I think Avengers is really what got them into this mindset. And they were like, okay. We know how to do this now because they had Captain America, the first Avenger and the Avengers release back to back, which I think that was a fairly good run for them, even though the Winter Soldier tends to be the movie people love more out of the Captain America films. It was like, okay, here's Cap. Here are the Avengers. We're going to get this rolling now. And I feel like even if this movie isn't the best of the MCU didn't necessarily need to be it just needed to hook people enough to keep them coming to the movies and obviously that's something that's happened because if these movies would have all tanked they wouldn't still be doing them 10 years later oh yeah i mean when you when you look at uh iron man and uh it has that post credits with uh with nick fury it was you know just this tease uh you know back then and 
no one knew is this building towards something is is this just kind of a fun little thing the post the post credit scene wasn't the norm uh back then and then uh, I want to say Incredible Hulk was after that. And you get a post credit with Tony and it's like, oh man, these are connected. Um, and with each of uh, the ones that, that followed before Avengers and you've got Iron Man 2, you've got the first Thor and then you've got Captain America, the first Avenger, which I personally uh, do thoroughly enjoy. Uh, I definitely think of the Captain America movies, uh, Winter Soldier is the best, but uh, I really enjoy um, uh, first Avenger. But this movie was, this movie's the payoff. Like, this movie is the appreciation to the fans coming out to all those mo- movies. And it's like, hey, you know this thing that we've been leading towards? Here it is. You're welcome. And uh, and everyone went nuts for it. It's uh, And when you think, oh, okay, maybe this movie isn't the best of the MCU... That's not a bad thing because you would hope that all the movies that followed it would just continue to uh, to get better rather than stay the same or uh, or get worse. And I'm sure, you know, they have ups and downs in, in quality and varying opinions. But this movie, even though even though Iron Man was the first one, this movie, I feel like, is the true start to the to the MCU. When when this happened, it's like, all right, this is a real thing we're we're all in uh and let's see let's see where all these characters go from here um uh and the i i thought what this movie also did a nice job with was the way it introduces the characters and gives you i feel like it gives you enough about each of them so that if someone didn't necessarily watch all those other movies they were still able to understand who these characters were and then yeah. hopefully they enjoyed the movie enough to go back and watch these the others and they also have the situation with the hulk where you know people weren't super fond of the standalone hulk movie but he works better in a sense making appearances in all of these other movies and i think this movie might be one of my favorite hulk appearances outside of thor ragnarok i think that's where hulk really gets to shine in that movie but (laughs) of the avengers movies and everything i think this one was the best because you see that Banner is definitely still somewhat in control because even though he falls out of the sky and, you know, crashes into this big empty warehouse looking building, he finds his way back to the Avengers. And I'm not 100% sure that is something that will last very long with the Hulk because in the comics, the Hulk eventually totally gets rid of the Bruce Banner part of him and he just stays the Hulk all the time. So it'll be interesting to see what happens in Infinity War with a lot of these characters, mostly because we know that Infinity War has to have way more consequences than this did. And I'm totally okay with them killing off, well, quote unquote, killing off Phil Coulson in Avengers as opposed to killing off one of the major heroes because I don't think that would have convinced people to keep coming back for the movies quite as much if they had killed off someone as if they had killed off one of the team members, that is. So it was definitely a good move to have them not really have too many consequences in this. Obviously, New York suffers most of the consequences. And I think that was a bold thing to do, too, because even though at this point 9-11 had happened a while ago, it's still something that is really weird to see when movies destroy New York City, especially in the way that they did it in the Avengers, because there were blocks of buildings that were just completely damaged. And, you know, it was funny at the end, though, because you see all of the damage to Tony Stark's building and all that's left standing is the A. And we know that plays into the future movies and everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it it definitely cuz if they if if they had killed any of the heroes you know you know they were going to end up killing probably hawkeye or, or or black widow but most likely hawkeye uh because they they would have they would have killed off someone that hasn't had their own movie um and has kind of just been introduced we saw that with age of ultron they brought in quicksilver and to give kind of a, an emotional punch to to that film they killed off quicksilver but 
it didn't really work because it, it wasn't a character that we had grown to love. It's like, oh, okay, well, it's really sad that you killed him, but you know, he's not he's not one of the characters that that we love. So I'll probably forget about him by by the next time uh, we're in another movie. Um, but Coulson, even though he was not a huge role in the other movies, he has been that tie to to pull all the the films together uh, so far. And him, I feel like him just being a bystander, basically, you know, between that and then the bystanders of, uh, in New York being the ones that are majorly affected, I feel like builds to the heroes that it's like, awesome, you saved the day, but there were consequences with bystanders, uh, bystanders, and we need to, you know, need to work harder at working together to limit, um, to limit the, that damage. I love the uh, one of my favorite parts is the mo- is just the montage of uh, at the end where you're getting the reactions from New Yorkers and oh, you're getting yeah, yeah yeah you're getting some that of course are like oh my god they saved my life that's great and then you get others that are like seriously all this shit's messed up like who's gonna fix this like where are they now they they came and messed all this up and now they're they're just you know hanging out who's gonna come <laughs> clean this up and then of course you have Stan Lee just being like superheroes nah <laughs> yeah plus you have shield in this movie too that's something we haven't talked entirely too much about we've mentioned the tie to the agents of shield show but shield itself is a huge part of this movie because shield is the government entity i guess you could say that put the avengers protocol in place and that's what we see a lot of at the beginning you know phil shows up at Stark's place and is just (laughs) sort of trying to get Stark to take this and Pepper has to take it for him instead and then give it to him, which is their relationship is hilarious as well. It's just the needed comic relief in something where there's such a serious situation going on and New York is literally in peril pretty much. But with S.H.I.E.L.D., we get director Fury Phil Coulson, obviously, and then Maria Hill is someone we haven't mentioned yet, too. And, you know, I don't think this movie was the best use of Maria Hill because we've definitely seen her in roles that were better suited for her. And this, it really felt like she was sort of just there to have that big chase down at the beginning. And then it's like she kind of disappeared and then just popped up here and there. But because there were so many people in this movie it's kind of a given that someone wouldn't get to shine as much as we know they could just from either their history in the comics or now from seeing all of these other movies or TV shows. Yeah. I think, I think with, with the hindsight of having seen the the movies that followed, we've gotten a little more used to uh, the MCU introducing someone into a movie and they may not have the biggest role, but it's, just kind of like planting them in there, like with Maria Hill, that it's like, yeah, she doesn't really do that much. But then we see like in Winter Soldier, she gets more to do and just kind of like, here's this character, kind of get to know her and maybe we'll revisit her later. And it's just rounding out the world a bit. Um, yeah, because she definitely doesn't get a uh, ton to do uh, in this movie. The opening scene is it's it's a slog for me to get get through on on repeated repeated views the it's it's kind of like all right let's let's get to the other characters this is i don't really i don't really know maria hill that well and let's just get through the the little chase scene and then move on yeah and the movie didn't have a legit team shot until about an hour and 52 minutes into the movie too so that's one of those (laughs) things where you know you finally see them all in frame and they sort of have their poses going on kind of and Mm -hmm. it takes a long time for them to build up to getting all of these members together and getting them on board with working with each other because like you said earlier they're so used to doing things solo so you have to really put a lot of work into just convincing these characters to work together and you see Tony sort of hits it off a little with Bruce because they basically speak the same intelligent language that most other people don't understand, even the audience, I would say, because I was like, I don't even know what they're saying anymore, but it (laughs) sounds right. So it's one of those things where you can tell which characters are sort of going to be getting along really well. And with Natasha, it's interesting because she has 
this history with Clint already, Hawkeye, and she has sort of this way with Bruce, even though things don't go super well for the two of them in this film because he does go after her. But it's one of those things where you can see her relationship with Bruce just sort of kindling in this movie and even though i don't necessarily agree with some decisions they made with the two of them down the line or anything like that it's something that you can see happening from the start once you go back and you're like oh okay all of this is clicking now and it's really amazing how much thought marvel puts into these stories because i don't know if a lot of other films would do this because you know, there's always the conversation between Marvel and DC and everything like that. And I think the things like this, the little things, are the things that DC doesn't have down quite as well yet to make us really care so much about these characters. Yeah, like Marvel definitely, they certainly have, um, certainly now, especially in the the MCU timeline, they certainly have the, the luxury of kind of honing this uh whole process and you knowing that they can that they can seed all these little things and if it comes to fruition people are going to go nuts for it and if it doesn't come to fruition uh it was only a tiny little thing and uh and people aren't necessarily going to freak out about it i'm a i'm a huge uh dc fan i mean when it comes especially when it comes to the comics uh right i I don't i don't necessarily have an allegiance to to any uh, company, but I tend to read more uh, DC than I, than I do Marvel. But as much as I enjoy a number of the things that the films are doing, the thing that the the studio mostly did wrong was they just tried to rush and catch up. And you, I, I feel like you, not only with DC, you saw universal trying to do it with, uh, with the universal monsters uh, with the, with the mummy. I mean, right. they made a huge Cardinal sin by naming their universe before they even put out their first movie. And it's it's all these studios being like, look at that magic that that Marvel's put off. We can do that, right? And not really thinking about all the minute things that Marvel puts into it to make it work. They're just like, yeah, I mean, we if we put movies out there and we say they're connected, uh, it's it's cool, right? Uh, and it's so it's definitely something that some little bit of magic that Marvel ha- has figured out, and uh, for some reason, just other studios can't uh, really latch onto it. I certainly hope uh, DC does figure it out because I mean more superhero movies on on both sides of the aisle is better for everybody. And if uh, both sides are doing well, they're both going to challenge each other to to make uh, better films. Because certainly we don't want Marvel to feel like they're they're soaring so far ahead that they could just do anything and then maybe get lazy. I don't think they will, but we don't want them to either. Yeah, and with Marvel, you even see how long it took them to get. Spider-Man into their own universe because Marvel is splintered in a way that DC isn't. You know, DC and Warner Brothers have, as far as I know, all of the rights to all of the DC characters, whereas Marvel... I believe so, yeah. They have the X-Men in one area, the Spider-Man characters in another area, so that really limits them a lot because Spider-Man and his rogues gallery is huge for the Marvel universe in the comics and everything. So to not be able to use those characters for, you know, the first eight years or so of their MCU, it just goes to show how they took what they had and they made it work. And like I said, while not every movie is going to be absolutely fantastic with the Avengers, they got the formula down and, What I like about the movie, too, is that they don't rush into introducing us to every character. I don't think Thor is even in the first 30 minutes of the movie. He doesn't show up until they've already set up the whole storyline with Loki. And then Thor comes in and was like, "Okay, this is my brother, guys. We have a problem. (laughs) Yeah. And by that point, they we've already been given kind of a little bit with uh, with Bruce Banner, which is which is important because we're introducing a new actor. Right. And I, I feel like I feel like he gets the most uh, kind of the most backstory um, out of uh, out of the Avengers uh, yeah. being introduced into the film. Um, and he and Tony kind of hit it off pretty quickly, um, just being science bros, uh, which is uh, anytime that they're get together and just doing all their science things. I, I, I always enjoy that. It's just so much fun watching them go back and forth. But. Yeah, I completely agree. Like we got a little bit with 
Bruce Banner and his and kind of a bit of a, a tease to his relationship with Black Widow. And then a little bit later, uh, we bring in Cap and then uh, or maybe he's before. I'm not really sure <laughs> sure of the timeline, but we get a little bit with e- with each one before the next one comes in. And each time the one the new one comes in, we get a little bit of before we bring in another character. It's like, all right let's show how the characters we have so far react to the person we just brought in. Um, and then, so it's when they bring in the next one, it's just very gradual. Um, and, uh, that was something when I was coming to, to rewatch it. Uh, I was curious how I was going to feel with all those parts. Like I, what I wasn't sure if I was going to sit there and be like, all right, I know where this goes. Can we just get to when they're all hanging out? Um, but I found myself being a lot more interested in, what they had to say in the little side conversations uh, than I remembered. Cause I, I wasn't so much enthralled by just the spectacle of the Avengers are, are all together for the first time. Now it was like, all right, well I know where this goes. So I got to enjoy the little things and they, they really did a, n- a nice job with that. So, you know, so obviously it's not perfect. Some, some parts are going to drag a little, but, uh, but for the most part, I thought it worked. Yeah. The thing is with introducing the characters too is Basically, Fury tasks Phil with getting Iron Man on board, and he goes and gets Cap himself, and Black Widow is sent to go get Bruce Banner. So you're having these three characters split off to go get three other characters who we already know about. So it's one of those things where it's kind of all happening simultaneously. And one thing I do want to note is not only do they have some verbal comedic relief in here but they also have some physical comedy when fury goes to find cap because he's wailing on the punching bag and he hits it so hard that the sand comes pouring out of it and it's just on the ground (laughs) and you see he has like six other punching bags lined up on the ground behind him and he just so clearly this has happened before (laughs) yeah so he just picks one up and then he leaves with it after he's done talking to Fury too. Yeah. And it's one of those things where he doesn't even have to say anything about the punching bag at all. And it's just still one of those little funny moments. And at times Marvel does go a little overboard with those because, you know, they don't need to put jokes in at every turn or anything like that. Yeah. But a lot of these characters do sort of have some of those qualities from the comics from the comics especially spider-man now spider-man is one of the quippiest superheroes in marvel's history pretty much so you certainly have to have that with him and it helps that now with the tom holland casting he's a bit younger i think than the other two actors were obviously younger than toby mcguire (laughs) (laughs) but he i think he's even younger than andrew garfield was when he played the role of spider-man so it's very interesting what they're doing with him. But before we get into a little more Infinity War talk, one big thing we haven't talked about yet is the post credit scene. And we see Thanos in this. So it just get, got me so excited for Infinity War too. But the post credit scene, we go back to where the film started pretty much, it looks like. And yeah, so we're on this other planet and someone is talking to Thanos. I'm really bad with knowing in keeping track of everyone's names, especially when it comes to, you know, like people involved in Guardians of the Galaxy, because there are so many different planets and everything like that going on there. But we just see a shot of Thanos's face at the end, and he doesn't even say anything, I don't think, when we see him. And it's just a very powerful moment. And it's something that might not have meant as much to us before, seeing all of the rest of these movies but now that infinity war is on the way it's like okay they started this and knew exactly where they were going to end up 10 years ago pretty much maybe maybe a little after maybe more so when the avengers movie happened in 2012 but it's like they have been planning this for years so i think that's why it makes more sense that there weren't nearly as many consequences up until this point too because they sort of had this plan i think to build up to thanos and the amount of destruction that he can cause absolutely and and yeah i mean the that moment the you know the first time seeing uh seeing thanos and it it's perfect that they don't have him say anything because they just allow the presence there and i feel like one of the things that that marvel does that's that's really cool is 
especially with their post credit scenes um, and even little things peppered throughout the the movies, little Easter eggs. Um, there's so much inside baseball uh, with their lore and their characters. And I like that they don't tend to shy away from that. Like I, I, I appreciate that they, that they don't necessarily sit there and say, Oh, well that's too deep cut. Most audiences aren't going to pick up on this. We shouldn't put it in there. I like that. They just go for it because I, I remember when I saw Avengers and everyone went nuts when they're looking at this this guy with a big purple face, I, I'm sitting there and I'm like, oh man, cool. So who is that? And like my friend that, but then I got to have the the friends that I was with start giving me all this backstory, and then it was like, oh man, there's this there's a bunch of stuff in the the comics that um, that I wasn't aware of because I, I growing up wasn't the uh, the biggest Marvel person. I was a Spider-Man kid for sure. Spider-Man is my absolute favorite. So the fact that he is, uh, mixed in with all this is, uh, I I'm in heaven. I'm, I'm like, just give me more of him and I, and I'm happy. Um, but that's one of the, the coolest things. And, uh, I think is just, um, giving us, uh, all these nods to the Lord that might go somewhere. And clearly Thanos is, where it's all going. I mean, this is where 10 years is building up to, and it's going to, uh, you know, hopefully be huge and, uh, you know, have some, some consequences and, and really hit, uh, hit us hard with everything because we, we have been along for, uh, for this journey. So, I mean, there's no, no way, other way you can slice it. The, the hype for, for everything that is built up to this is huge, but they, they've definitely put in the, the legwork, you know, because all the all the way back to Avengers one, they were like, "Hey, here's Thanos," and then they gave us a little bit of him in uh, what is it? Is it the first Guardians? The next time we see him, I think so. Or either that, or it's another post credit scene before Guardians. I think Age of Ultron. I want to say at the end of that one is the one where he grabs is the first time we see the gauntlet because he puts it on and he's like, "Fine, I'll I'll finish it myself or something." Right. I want to say that was Age of Ultron, but they all do start to blend together uh, after so many years. Yeah. Before we move on to some speculation for Infinity War here, though, I do want to note that when I rewatched this, I did notice that one of the cops in the movie, the one that has the older partner and Cap is basically giving them instructions on what to do. He is actually Daniel Souza and Agent Carter. So it was really funny to see someone who is actually in the MCU, technically, just in some random cameo role, basically, since Agent Carter took place, what, like 50 years before Avengers or something like that? Maybe he's a, a son or grandson and just has a, a really, really <laughs> close resemblance. <laughs> yeah. And obviously, Agent Carter was way after this. Agent Carter, you know, oh, yeah. was yeah. a few years ago. and. It's just funny to look at those things and be like, oh, here he is again. <laughs> I love that in in movies, especially in uh, like trilogies and stuff where it's like you have you have someone who's just an extra and has like one line or something. And then it, it, they're they're friends of the filmmaker or something. And so they're brought back to maybe do another like one line, but they're a completely different character. Yeah. And you see it on TV shows all the time. It's, I want to say it's X-Files where there's one of the characters that becomes like a major antagonist is just like a, a like just a one-off completely different character um in an early episode um and then he ends up becoming a major antagonist later on but that obviously wasn't the character he played before and it, it's it's just one of those things you just you suspend disbelief and you're just like oh, i mean they're all actors and they're working but it's it's fun for the fans to be like oh man it's that guy yeah, exactly. Well, let's go ahead and move into some Infinity War speculation here because oh there's boy. been a lot of talk about which hero is going to die. And a lot of what I've been seeing has been, you know, Iron Man or Captain America. But I feel like I don't know how Hawkeye survives any of this or, you know, if <laughs> Hawkeye even shows up. It seems like he's been hiding in the trailers and everything. But I thought he retired. I thought I saw someone say at the end of civil war or something like he, he basically retires to just go be with his family. I mean, I, I would assume Thanos shows up. He it's probably, you know, he's probably like, honey, I gotta go. 
Yeah, it's like an all hands on deck situation, probably. So it'll be interesting to see if he does end up coming back, because I do vaguely remember that from Civil War, you know, Hawkeye was pretty tired and he has a wife and kids that literally no one knew about prior to that. Yeah, pretty much. And it's something we do eventually get a glimpse of in the movies. But the thing is, you know, people have been wondering why Marvel hasn't been announcing more movies and everything like that. And my logic behind their decision to do that is that they don't want to spoil who lives and who dies. Yeah. So the only thing I can say for certain is that Spider-Man Homecoming 2 is in the works. So it would be really bad to kill off Tom Holland already. And that is probably one of the least likely characters to die. But Oh, I walk if they uh, uh, if they kill him. <laughs> yeah. Second that happens, I, I'm out of the theater. <laughs> no, yeah. They, it, yeah, they already announced that one, so it, we we can uh, put him in the in the safe pile. Yeah, and I mean, I know we mentioned the Black Widow solo movie, and that is something where I think with her it could go either way because they could always just go back in time and tell an assassin story with Black Widow or something. And I would totally watch that. I'd watch pretty much anything they came up with for Black Widow as long as it was a decent storyline. That's all I really need from them to want to go see that movie. But Yeah, because I was going to say, there's no way they kill her off because fans would riot if they killed her off before giving her own movie. But if they put it in the past, then it could work out. I still feel like fans would be pissed. (laughs) Yeah, they certainly would. And I think especially because... A lot of fans probably like her more than, say, Scarlet Witch. Yeah. It's one of those things where some of the newer characters we aren't quite as attached to. I would say Vision is the one exception because we've been hearing his voice as Jarvis all of these years. Yeah. So that is one thing where it's like you aren't necessarily tied to the physical version of the character. But in a sense, it would be like a big part of the MCU just dying with with him. And that will be interesting to see. But I do think they have to go with someone like Iron Man or Captain America to really make it believable. And whether they do that in Infinity War or in Avengers 4, it doesn't really matter necessarily to me. But I think they definitely have to kill off at least a couple of heroes in Infinity War. Yeah, it's like, I don't want to say I hope for a certain character because it's like I like all of them and I don't I don't necessarily want a specific one to die. But I also I was in the camp of I was disappointed that Cap wasn't killed off in Civil War. I I don't mind that he's still alive. That's certainly great. But I felt like that would have been a really, really great place to do it. Uh, I feel like if you went with Cap and if Cap gets killed off in Infinity War, then you can build towards the whole thing of Bucky taking up the shield, which is, of course, an- another major storyline. And then I think Cap like comes back somehow um, with all that, which would be nice if they did that s- storyline with the- with those because I would get more Red Skull because I-, I missed having him. But I don't I I definitely agree. Like they got to go either Tony or Cap. Plus, it sounds like Chris Evans is done once this current contract is up. I've been seeing that floating around. And it makes sense because being part of the MCU takes up so much of someone's time. And I know quite a few of them have been in other movies here and there. But I think that's more, you know, indie productions maybe than necessarily these major movies and everything like that. So it'll be interesting to see who, after all this time, ends up opting out because... Yeah. Robert Downey Jr. has been doing this longer than everyone else. He's been playing Iron Man since 2008, and it wasn't until later that the rest of the characters were introduced. And, you know, even Chris Hemsworth has been doing this for a while because Thor happened before the Avengers. So they do have a lot of ways they can go with this because Iron Man is more the suit than Tony Stark. And I know it would suck to lose Tony Stark as a character, too, but... There are plenty yeah. of different ways they could do things because you could even introduce Riri Williams or maybe have Shuri from Black Panther take on the Ironheart mantle or something like that because she could certainly give Tony Stark a run for his money. She might even be smarter than him for all we know. And there are just so many different options they've opened up with all of these movies over the years. And obviously, Bucky being Cap makes sense because that's something they've sort of been building up to for a while and you even have do we still have falcon is he still around (laughs) i think yeah he's still alive yeah 
so so many heroes to keep track of and you know war yeah. machine was badly injured in civil war so who knows where he's at at this point i'm not yeah. entirely sure they've given us an update on that i feel like you can't ki- i feel like you can't kill off war machine they alluded to him being killed off in uh, civil war already and then it of course turns out that he's still alive so i feel like you can't kill him after that because you've i feel like you've already kind of used that emotional punch but it's i mean they could definitely go with i think it's more than likely it's going to be one uh one of the main ones but i mean i guess you know there are some more side uh heroes that we have gotten a decent amount of time with that uh that they could go with but i feel like they're gonna want to build towards like the next generation of the Avengers. But, uh, but I mean, who knows? And, uh, I'm not even sure what, are they still doing the, there's still the two infinity war movies, right? They've said that Avengers four is no longer a part two to infinity. Okay. War. So I think, I don't know if the whole Thanos storyline will wrap up with this movie, but I think most of it will. And the movie is ridiculously long. I think it's over two and a half hours. Last I heard. Yeah. I mean, it's, kind of has to be right fit in every uh, there's something like 60 characters or something in it yeah and that's not even counting the whole wakandan army probably yeah (laughs) so you certainly have a lot of people who need screen time and obviously this movie is not the movie where you introduce new characters it's where you sort of wrap up what we've been waiting for the last 10 years and I think I heard that Captain Marvel is supposed to be in Avengers 4 at some point, but I don't I think, think so. they're introducing her in this, which makes sense because to just throw Captain Marvel in in one of the biggest moments in the MCU, it would be like, uh, wait, who's this person? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I feel like there it, there's likely going to be like a tease to Captain Marvel in like right. a, a post-credits theme, uh, scene or something. Yeah, because I think that's the next movie. I know that's coming out in 2019. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely... I'm interested to see where the MCU goes after Infinity War because it's kind of like, all right, well, Infinity War, we all fought Thanos. Where do you go after that? Um, And I think Kevin Feige said, like, the way the phases have, like, been going, um, that post the whole Infinity War thing, I believe he said that it's going to, they're going to be changing it up a bit and it's it's not necessarily going to be the, all right, here's the next phase. We're going to build to the next big event. My hope is is kind of they uh they pull back a bit and give us more like uh like Marvel team-up movies. Um I think that would be a lot of fun and we get more of the characters uh that way rather than just waiting for solo movie of of this character or solo movie of this character. But I'm calling it right now uh Howard the Duck saves the day. <laughs> he defeats Thanos. That's my that's I'm put. I'm putting putting my money on it right now. And they've technically <laughs> introduced him already, so that's not something yeah. you really have to worry about. Exactly. Yeah. I hope they don't kill him. <laughs> I don't think we're gonna see him. That would definitely be interesting <laughs> to have Howard the Duck going up against yeah. Thanos. But yeah. is there anything else you want to mention before we wrap up today? Oh man, trying to think of everything we covered. Nah, I think this was an interesting and fun. Uh, just trip down uh, memory lane to just see kind of where to remember where it all started while thinking of, of what's to come. It was fun and interesting to, to watch uh, especially some of the, some of these actors still kind of getting their sea legs with the role. Cause now that we've seen them uh, in so many other movies and they've really gotten a hang of the character. It, it, it was funny to, I think cap was, was one I noticed uh, and even Thor that it was like, all right, they're having fun with it, but they're still kind of figuring things out a bit. And of course, uh, Banner, because uh, this was his first outing. But it was just really fun to to go back and, and watch this movie. And I, I'm i really, really excited for Infinity War, because that's going to be huge. I also still need to see Black Panther, for shame on me. <laughs> yeah, I definitely recommend doing that before Infinity yeah. War. I know it's still <laughs> heavily playing in theaters, because people have gone to see it like four or five times, but that was the thing. I, re- I really wanted to see it, but I was like, uh, there were a couple smaller movies uh, that were coming out, one being Annihilation. Right. Um, and I was like, all right, some of these movies, these aren't going to be in theaters that long. Yeah. Black <laughs> Panther's not going anywhere. Uh, that's safe. So I, I think maybe this weekend, after, after, especially after this discussion and kind of uh, diving uh, back into the 
the world of the MCU. I think this weekend I may run and see uh, Black Panther. Yeah, one thing I forgot to note earlier in the episode, when you mention Cap's suit looking a little bit like cosplay, it's... <laughs> safe to say that everything looked a lot brighter in this film too cap's costume or cap's suit yeah. was really bright the iron man suit seemed really bright and if you look at the footage from infinity war everything is just so much darker and i'm kind of really oh, yeah. into it because it shows just how things have progressed over the years and you know sort of how worn down these heroes can get without needing to necessarily look like they've been worn down so it's just interesting to see the differences in suits and everything too between the first Avengers film and now so that's something else to look forward to as well but you know I'm going to try to cover quite a few Marvel movies here as many as I can before I do an episode on Infinity War with MJ Rawls who has been on the podcast plenty of other times so <laughs> you you guys are probably familiar with him but it's one of those things where it's just really interesting to go back and take a look at these. So hopefully I'll have some more Marvel episodes coming up here. I just did Jessica Jones with MJ. We did seasons one and two, which totally has nothing to do with any of this at all, pretty much, but yeah. still still a good show to check out. But Tim, thank you so much for coming on to talk about this. It was definitely fun revisiting it. Of course. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, no, this was a ton of fun. Uh, I'm always happy to uh, to come on the show. Podcasts are fun. Awesome. Well, we might hear you again in a week or two for all we know. I'll I'll talk to you about that after the episode, though. Awesome. Cool. And for our listeners, thank you all for listening and we hope you enjoy the rest of your day.